A few notes before we begin this episode of Baseball Biz with Coach Cobb of the Kentucky Bourbons. We had a few challenges technically while recording this, but man, am I glad we got to speak with Coach Cobb. I apologize for any lack of sound quality through this, but you'll find the interview well worth it. Let's get started. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host, and with me today, I have the famous Coach Cobb of the Kentucky Bourbons. Coach Cobb has done so much over time, but the thing I remember the most is the Kentucky Bourbons. As I was growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, and my younger brother, Chris Corbett, we spent a lot of time you know, following the Bourbons. It was, I think it was between 1977 and 1982. But Coach Cobb now is also an analyst on the Jerry Eve Show in See, and also a uh, a Hall of Fame awardee on the World Sports League of Slow Pitch Softball. Yeah. Is that right, Coach Cobb? Yep, that's right, buddy. Good talking to you and uh, relive these memories of the Bourbons. I mean, you know, best times of my life, Mark, to be honest with you. Well, you We've never had the best players, Mark, but we had the best team. Well, I couldn't believe it because you guys gelled together. You really worked well together as a team. And we had a tremendous defense and always had good pitching. And we uh, played the five-man. I kind of invented that in that league, starting a five-man infield. And uh, it was a, you know, it was a thing for us. We led the league three years in a row. And double plays turned each game. We turned almost four games. And, and that was a big deal to us. You know, our park was big, Mark. It was three way down the line, 330 and left by center, 345. tough place to hit it out of. Yeah, it was well, you know, and that's the thing too. People don't realize, you know, how how far that is. See, one of the things I was thinking too, you were talking about the was it four man or five man outfield? We played a five man infield and a three man outfield. The reason I did that, Mark, when the first year when we had the team, I had two greyhounds in left center, and right center, and they was always running and stop beside each other. After I started thinking, I said, well, I'm I'm old. First, I started just playing a rover guy out there in the outfield somewhere. And then I, I had the best shortstop in the league, Greg Woodlock. And I, well, I'm, you know, pitching with good up in the middle. I was somebody five in the infield doing that. And man, that thing just took off. I mean, we, the defense won our, anything we won, it was basically called our defense. Well, you know, and that's something too. If people are just thinking about baseball, and they're thinking about nine people on the field out there playing defense. But with softball, you've got ten. And, and you, have you noticed some of the guys, Matt and the coach does, he does a lot of this stuff now. He'll bring an outfielder, uh, you know, uh, uh, put an out, infielder in the outfield and then back in and he'll flood one side, which I did a lot. Some guys couldn't do nothing but pull the ball. Well, I would flood the right side if he's the left-hander and then just tear him to get his left field. <laughs> you got to try to find a way to, you know, get the mystery, get these guys out. Well, and, and that's the thing, too. I mean, you had to think out of the box. You, you know, in, in baseball, like you said, you see some folks doing shifts. They pull guys in. They pull them out. You know, do I need to have four outfielders there? Being a, a fan of the Tampa Bay Rays, I certainly see that. There's no doubt. I mean, you were doing it back I'm then. Always trying to get an edge, Mark. That's what. That's what I always, I always told everybody, and I'm not bragging, but I always said I'm not gonna let nobody out coach me. And I would try myself as a coach to steal three or four outs a game by doing moves like this, you know. And uh, 
it was a big deal, and uh, I enjoyed it. And we played, like I said, some of the best places in the world and some of the worst places, which you thought would have been good places, like New York, New Jersey. They just draw people. Pittsburgh didn't draw nobody, but my God, Cincinnati and Detroit, Milwaukee. I mean, they and Cleveland, they all were good, good crowds. Well, that's that's amazing because I'm thinking that in those larger cities, you might have more traction. What was it like on the road? How did y'all deal with travel, you know, going to these different cities? Well, the first <laughs> the first year, we took a Miller bus. Second year, when Mr. Gaddy got involved in it, we had a charter plane. we just, you know, fly everywhere as soon as the game was over. He owned a McDonald's, so we'd always go to McDonald's to get food and get on the plane with a bunch of, you know, hamburgers and french fries and stuff everybody would eat, and we just fly back home. On the plane, it was kind of getting like the movie airplane. I mean, guys were drinking. We had when it first started, and all of a sudden they're showing up, you know, blue jeans. And it was a lot of fun, but it wasn't what you visualize as a plane, you know. <laughs> and uh, we, after that, yeah, we uh, went back to the bus thing. We traveled a lot, right home, except when we went to like New England or somewhere, we would fly Detroit. Cincinnati and Lima and Cleveland, we would take a bus. And Milwaukee, we took a bus there. Well, that had to be an exciting time. And, I mean, as far as the team getting, uh, well, especially everything on the bus, you have so much time to kind of gel together. Oh, we that was the one thing about our team. Like, I, I told them all when I took over, I said, we're a team. I don't want to hear nothing about what he does or what other guy does. We all want to do it all together. And that's one of the things I said. I don't know if there's ever a fight breaks out. Every one of you better be involved in it. <laughs> we gotta we gotta bend each other and stand up for each other. And uh, that was a thing, man. I mean, for that team we had, like I said, we wasn't over, we was, we couldn't overpower everybody. I mean, we had some home run hitters, you know. I mean, Daddy led the league in home runs. I hit, you know, eighteen twenty and. Rick Wilson knows what we had who would hit some. Chuck Wenders, God bless, he's passed now. Was our left fielder who's been on you I've ever been around the softball. And, uh, but it was a, it was a great team. I just really, really enjoyed watching them progress. We got to the World Series twice before we won it. And we should have won it. Milwaukee beat us. That was our fault. We, all we had to do was get a runner in. And we couldn't even score a run with one out. We had runners at first and third. Ooh. Boy, hit a ball back to the pitcher, and they got out of the inning and ended up beating us in the last seventh game. But um, then we come back and beat uh, New England in the World Series. And I knew we was going to win it going into that World Series. And we lost the first game, Mark, at home. Right. They beat the hell out of us. That always hurts. Yeah, when I went back to the locker room in between games, we had a 40-minute break. I mean, I was curious. And I told them, I said, I don't know what the hell all y'all guys are going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. And I just, I was on a roll. I hit two home runs the first first game at home. And next game, I come back and get three. And that was a big thing for, you know, we beat the hell out of the second game. <laughs> and then we won the next one. And then we went to New England, and we ended up finishing it there. And uh, it was a, it was a big deal. It was real big. I remember the, when it was over, and we had a great banquet. And it was just really rewarding because we had put so much into that thing for six or seven years, you know. 
I mean, I worked her butt off out there. Winter, we was in the gym working. You know, I wanted to get an edge before we got started, and then uh, the guys really, really performed well. Well, that that's something I wanted to ask you about, too. Everything you all did to achieve that, to get to the World Series and to win it, but you had that team. Where, how did that come together? Where did all these athletes come Where's from? how it all started. The first two guys that were signed in the league was me and Gaddy, Bill Gaddy. Okay. We signed, and we knew once we signed, we would be ineligible for amateur ball. We had to sit out a year or two. So, but we went ahead and signed because it sounded good. There wasn't a pro baseball team in town at the time. You remember? You remember? Oh yes. And we were the main cover. I mean, we were in the paper. It seemed like every day about something. They'd come to practice on Wednesday and film our practices and bat practices. And then we started adding players from out of the state. We picked up Fred Miller from uh, Florida, and I got Kenny Parker from Milwaukee. Which at the time he was one of the best hitters in the league, but he had issues with the teams he'd been on. And when I brought him in here, I told him, I said, Kenny, I don't need any problems. I need somebody that's going to help the team. And he called me Rock, and he said, whatever you want, Rock. And we just had the best relationship. And then we picked up another guy, Pat Paulson, from New England, which we played in the championship one year. And he played well for us. And we, You know, my second baseman, Nick Bikitas, was as bad as you ever been around a guy that he gets on all the time, but he never hits the ball out of the ballpark. He just finds ways to get on. Oh, yeah. And, and he's, you might remember Nick, he's five foot nine, maybe. But he played the heck out of second. Him and Greg uh, playing short. I mean, if you hit it up through there, you were dead. With Schreier and Steve Stirk pitching. I mean, we hit tremendous middle. I've always been a man that believes in the middle. You have to have a good middle in softball. Shortstop, middle man, center fielder, and second base. So basically, especially in the pro league, you can do all that faking. The mound was five feet farther back. The bases were farther and what it was an amateur ball. And you could steal after the first year. When we first started this thing, Mark, every team besides ours would pick some guy up to catch. He was six foot seven, like Big Fred Miller, Pittsburgh. He was six foot seven, 330 pounds. And I called at the meeting and every first, you know, I said, you can't just put a big slob because he can hit it over the fence back there and ask for another ball because he can't bend over the fence. And then they put stealing in. Well, and I had plays set up for stealing. You know, we faked a swing or swing and miss if we needed to advance the runner and, uh, you know, in the bottom part of the innings, and that become a big part of our offense. I mean, we worked on everything. And that's what it takes. Uh, the other day I was listening to an interview with Nelson Cruz, and here uh-huh. here he is, and he's talking about he's there in his hotel room, and he takes a batting tee with him. He he goes in there, and during the day, long before they ever go to practice the field or anything else, he's in there and swinging at that. I mean, it takes that com- kind of commitment. It's obviously, that's what the Bourbons had. Yeah, we did. We didn't have guys. We, we had one guy that was wild. We picked up in Cincinnati, Michael Fever, but he was probably as good as it was in center field. But I had to put a halter on him because as soon as the game was over, he had a girl everywhere we went. <laughs> and he would go out. And that year in the World Series, Mr. Caddy said, what do we need to do? I said, we need a guard sitting outside the door. He won't stay in. We end up hiring a guy to sit outside the door. He said, I can't believe you're doing this. I said, I got to do it. It hurts the 
team, if you're not, you know, at your best, we need you to be at your best. Right. And uh, he bought into it, and we ended up winning. And he comes from Cincinnati, which we had a great rivalry with for years, and, uh, him and Michael Bryan. And uh, Mike got the hit, and uh, we were down in the seventh inning against Cincinnati at home in the first round of the playoffs. And they had a boy named Tony, Tony Salamone that played second. I'm coming off the field. He's coming on the field. And he looks at me and says, we're going to beat you. I'll go to the World Series. I'm your own field. I saw that. And we go to the dugout. First guy gets a hit. Well, Bill's up next daddy. Of all things, you know, Bill's very seldom never hit when you need it. He's always great under pressure. He hits a foul ball and they catch the foul territory Ooh. and they get him out. So uh, I'm the next batter. Greg, Dave Woodlock has made an out, so we had two outs. Greg's still second. I'm the next batter. I remember Daddy grabbing my arm and he had like a, he was ringing wet and had like a tear in his eye. He says, You've got to get a hit. And I said, Well, if you let go of my arm, I will. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just a moment, you know, like you're talking about moments. And I hit a, I wasn't going to swing for a home run the time before I'd hit a home run, but I hit it as good as I could hit it and barely went out of there. So I hit a line drive by the shortstop, great scores, ties the game up. He goes in home head first. And I wasn't the fastest guy, but I went home the second, on the throw home, I went second head first. And I told that Solomone, the boy playing second, I said, you ain't going to beat us. So I put Kevin Maloney in. You might have heard his name. He used to be the oh, general yeah. manager of the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. He was our extra player, and Kevin could really run. So I put him in for me to run in second base. And Michael, Michael Fever, I mean, Michael Bryan, the left fielder, gets a hit to left field, and Kevin scores, and we beat him. <laughs> and I knew right then, I said, we're definitely winning this year. We're going to win the World Series. Wow. It's such a thrill, you know. Um, me and Gaddy have been roommates. You know, we played with Jiffy's in 72. We won the ASA Open in Jacksonville, Florida. And, I mean, we had a hell of a team. Best, one of the best teams in the country. We were number two, three in the country all year. and went undefeated that year in the world. And I knew we had some great players. Schreier was on that team. He's one of the best softball players I've ever, ever been around in my life. And I've been around all of them. Schreier, holy old both people. And uh, he would pitch, and when he would run, his feet would turn inside. But he was so good, Mark, that he could do anything. He was like a magician with the bat. I mean, he could hit it right, give it, he could hit it out. I mean, he, he was just had a missile from third base if he wasn't pitching. So, I mean, I picked up the right pieces, and they all played, you know, their job, done their job, or we needed for everybody to win. Well, to me, that that's amazing because it's all about finding the right athletes, and exactly, and, and finding people. You know, this isn't like, you know, I grew up out there in the South End, and you were lucky to find a couple of good old high school guys who did something, whether it been basketball, high school uh, football, and and bring them in. But you you had some people who had far beyond all that. You were getting, you were finding. How did you find these guys from some of these other cities? Were you just watching? Well, I, I've seen them in amateur ball, some of them. And I remember I'm a, once I see you play and once I see you bat, I can almost tell you exactly what you're going to do each time. 
Wow. I really prided myself in, you know, following people and knowing where they hit it. Because I would slot them or I would say, hit the ball the other way. I knew he couldn't, but I would talk about it, smack to him, you know, and tell him, I said, well, see if you can hit it over. And a lot of times they'd buy in and try to do it to make me look bad. And then they'd get mad at me because they, they screwed it up. I said, it ain't my fault. You're the one swinging. But, like you said, when I grew up in the South End, I grew up off a of new cut road, which I'm sure you know where that is. Oh, yeah. All right. I went, I went to Fairdale when I was a freshman, and I started all sports out there. Then I transferred to Mayo. Myself, and I ended up getting drafted in uh, my senior year by the Twins for baseball. But there wasn't any great baseball players around. There were some decent pitchers, but there wasn't great players. Chuck Winter was the man. You know, he had the best arm I'd ever seen. So I took him, and then I had to. The only guy, the other guy from here in town was the Whitlock boys. They both played baseball at UofL that year. Now, you had some other UofL folks came on, too. I mean, that's where Gaddy, didn't he play football there as well? All-American football. And base. I mean, he played baseball, but he was an all-American football player. He wasn't, you know, he played the pro football with that league that went to Funk in Florida, and they kind of jacked him around. He didn't get his money, but uh, Bill was a hell of a hitter. He's the best power hitter that's ever been in the stadium, without a doubt. Unbelievable. He can hit it out of anywhere. I don't care if it's the biggest park you've ever been in. I could get him all pumped up, whooped and smack him on the butt, bust it out of here, you know, and I mean, he'd always respond. And he ended up being that way after the pro league folded. He ended up being one of the best power hitters in the amateur ball and made some really serious money. He made great with us. And Donnie Reardon was just the opposite. He'd take the bat. I'd say, Donnie, first and second's wide open over in the four hole. And a line drive right between second and first, like it's long string. Wow. And he'd come up next time and he hit a line drive between third and short. You didn't know what Donnie was going to do. And he never hit home runs. Which is, you know, really hard. People don't, anybody can hit a home run nowadays with softball folks with equipment. But back then, a guy that would hit, you know, for high average, didn't hit a lot of home runs was tough to do. Well, let me ask you this. Coming back to the South End, and you guys actually, you played at a field in the South. It was Bishop David Field out there right behind the high school, Bishop David? Yeah, Bud Gagel built that. He was a sponsor of our amateur team with a beer tavern. And right in front of Bishop David, there was a beer joint called Jiffy's. Yep. They had food and, and everybody hung out there. And that was a sponsor. Well, he ended up, he owned that ground back there. He built that field. And he took care of it like it was his baby. I mean, it, our amateur was as good as you would see if you went to a pro game now. I mean, there wasn't no bad hops. When we drew... There was three years there. We was averaging almost 4,500 people at the games out there. Which, you know, people say, well, that, that's a big deal of softball. Oh, yeah. And that would pack that place up, up and down both sidelines. I mean, we would pack. And they couldn't wait to get there. Like, when we played Milwaukee or Cincinnati, we always had these on both sides, the third and first base lines. They would get on them players from them teams, and then, you know, they do us. When we went to their place, it would be the same way, but... When the league started, everybody that owned the team, like Mike Gillich on the Detroit Caesar, 
and that was the pizza place, Little Caesars. So when we would get down eating, he would fill the, our locker room up with pizzas. And when they would come here, Mr. Gaddy would, you know, take care of them, send us a bunch of stuff from McDonald's in there to eat when the game was over in the locker room. So it was all programmed pretty good. We had Whitey Ford one year as the league president. Wow. And yeah. then they brought, they, you might not remember this, Mark, they brought a bunch of pro gym, I think it was Detroit Tigers had four guys that were really big names in baseball. And uh, Minnesota had two guys that were big in baseball. And Houston brought a guy in here, Billy White Shoe Johnson, was a football player. Faster than hell. <laughs> so they're warming up, and he's running up and down the foul lines, getting loose. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting ready to steal. I said, you got to remember one thing, Billy. you got to get on before you can steal. And he couldn't get <laughs> Oh, I like that. He never did. Yeah, it was something between me and him. And he said, I ain't never hit the double play. So well, we'll see about that. So boom, boom. He hits one back up through the middle, and I'm playing over the middle, and Greg throws me the ball short. We turn a double play, and I mean, we're, I'm strapping it on him, coming off the field. You, know, you ain't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you never forget them things. Such a car wreck I've had. Everybody says, boy, you got a great memory. I said, you remember everything that really meant something to you? That's the way I look at it. I said, I can remember everything about them birthday games. I can tell you everything about each one of them. It's just a, something I'll never forget. Well, when you have that kind of camaraderie with folks, I mean, it. I, I think it sticks with you. The things you do with friends, it, it, and that's that's what they have to kind of become, too. I mean, if you're going to, have to work side by side all the time. And we had everything, Mark, on this team. Our pitcher besides Schreier was Steve Sturt. Everybody made fun of him because he was always the bus reading lawyer books. <laughs> he was going to be a lawyer. Well, he ended up being the prosecuting attorney for Jeffersonville, Indiana, for 10 or 12, 15 years over. He's number one, you know, prosecutor over there. I said, y'all made fun of him, but look what he's doing now. <laughs> I mean, that all paid off for him. You know, and then Chuck Winders, our left fielder, God bless him, he's a tremendous outfielder. He ended up being the number one driver in sports car out here at the Speedway in Louisville, Adderley. He won the title out there, more wins than anybody. Wow. He sponsored the team with McDonald's. That's what he wore on his team of races, McDonald's. We all stayed together after, you know, any, no matter what. I had a birthday five weeks ago. And I bet I had at least one. I think I had seven of my old players there. Wow. And it almost brings tears to your eyes when you see them. You know, they still come. And, man, we like you say, we stay can talk for us or meet tomorrow to watch a football game. <laughs> I mean, like you said, that camaraderie is just, you can't you can't duplicate stuff like that. You can't make it up. You either got it or you don't have it. When you live through special moments like you all did, you know, with the bourbons and, you know, the, the great years and the years that maybe weren't so great and the challenges and, and, uh, well, I'm going to go back to fans for just a minute to the appreciation that I and, and a lot of other folks have. When I look at some of the, you know, you can find folks, if you don't know, you can find these games on YouTube, some of the Kentucky bourbons games. And, and you look out there and you see back in center field kids hanging on the other side of the placards. Trying to be able to watch the game, you know they're not in there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was crazy. 
I absolutely it loved was it. It a pro thing for years. The last four years of that league, it was, it was run like a pro league. We, we just couldn't find three more teams to replace the ones that didn't draw, or we'd have had a TV contract, and that thing would have been going forever. I mean, that's how strong it was. Well, I really believed in that. And uh, it was bad. I mean, I, it almost broke my heart when, it, when, you know, when we couldn't keep it together. But um, it was just such, man, my mom and dad and my sisters. I mean, everybody come to them games. It was like, you know, the thing to do on the weekend. The food was tremendous. It was a great entertainment. Didn't cost much to get in. I don't even know what the tickets were. Probably $5 a person or something. Like you said, kids hanging on that building out left field, that old Bears building, and hanging on the fence. And we throw them a ball, you know, wherever any something. <laughs> it was a big deal, and I, I got a big kick out of it. Well, I, I know as a fan, I did, and my brother Chris did as well. It was always it was always fun watching you guys out there. Tell me a little bit on on the technical side of the league itself. Was the last few years did was there another owner who wanted to kind of pull some of the teams? Aside to well, a separate they started league. another pro league, and the Lexington ended up starting a team in Lexington. Well, Reardon's from Lexington, so he gave it a shot with that team in that other league, which it wasn't nothing like our league. But uh, it kind of just fell apart the last last two or three years. There was we had to get rid of two or three teams. We fly all the way to New England; they would have two hundred people there. My God, you think going there or, or New, of New Jersey or somewhere that they draw the places that drew the people were the smaller towns like Lyme, Ohio, our place, Milwaukee. I mean, we packed that place when we went to Mill up to Cincinnati. I mean, that place was packed. And, uh, they got on us pretty good and we'd go up there and when they came here, they got the same thing. But <laughs> the fans took a lot of trips with us, Mark. When we had the bus, we'd have like 30, 40 seats open for for the fans, and uh, we'd always fill it up. Some of them fans would go where, wherever we went, they'd be there. That meant a lot to have that following where people just believed in what you were doing, they would follow you all the way to Milwaukee or something. That was, you know, meant a lot to us. We felt like we didn't want to let them down. You know, I took Johnny McGrath on the team, and Johnny was a football player from Kentucky. And Johnny's a warrior. He's a he plays softball with football mentality. He's a, you know, NFL official on that down. Been doing it for 15 years, but, uh, I knew he had that fire in him. And, uh, when I used Johnny, he would always come in and give you everything he got. And I'll never forget that about him. You know, he, he wasn't a great football player, but he was a great warrior to have on your team. Well, and you got to have people like that to make a difference. And, Hallelujah. You're, you hit it right on the head. Yep, you're exactly right. Well, let me ask you a little bit more about the crowd. You said the fans that were on the on the bus. I, I seem to remember sometimes being out there, Bishop David, watching the game. Some fans get a little rowdy, even if I recollect right, more than just booing the opponents out there. Oh, yeah, I mean, it got out of hand. If we went to Milwaukee the one year, the third year of the league. My mom went everywhere we went. And this guy had been riding us, and riding me especially, right in the back of the So I had to play first, and I got uh, ejected. The only time I ever got thrown out of a game, in amateur ball or the pro league, was up there. 
So when I got thrown out, I went into the dugout, Mr. Gaddy said, calm down, sit down, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I couldn't calm myself down. So I went up there in between innings and grabbed this guy. I said, you've been running your mouth for about the first five innings, and we had a few words. It turned in where I hit him. And, uh, we get ready to get on the bus, Mark, to go leave, come home. And the crowd's out there. Rick Wilson was on our team. You remember basketball player from UVL oh, yeah. NBA. And Rick says, look out, Cobb. Here he comes. And this guy's 15 feet from me with a bat getting ready to hit me with it. Shit. And Rick pulls his shirt over his head and knocks him, hits him in the mouth three or four times, blood's everywhere, and fight breaks out. My mom gets knocked down during the fight. We get her on the bus. We get back to the motel, and she's like, I can't get up. She broke her hip. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I had to, we had Mr. Daddy rented a plane the next morning, a six seater. We had to take the seats out because she wouldn't have nobody look at her but Dr. Ellis. He was a doctor for UOL and doctor for the purpose. Wow, I remember and, uh, him. Down, yeah, down at Methodist Hospital. And I, they went down there and operated on her because we hip, but uh, I mean, it was terrible. I felt unbelievably bad when it happened but I've never even seen her get hit or knocked down but that happened because the crowd surrounded our butt we couldn't get out of there so anytime we went back after that to Milwaukee we would park behind the left field fence and come in from left field <laughs> throw everything at the bus popcorn tomatoes anything they could throw and hit the window but that was one of the things I think that made the league you know, we were involved in a lot of fights, suburbans, a lot of them. I don't think we lost any, but uh, we were involved in quite a few, but we always stood up for each other. And like you said, the fans, we played for the fans. I yeah. mean, that's really what we did. And you mentioned it. I was thinking, too, growing up in the South End, even in high school, it, it wasn't unusual to see see fans. And Where'd you go to high school, Mark? I'm well, stopping you. Where'd you go? Well, I went to Butler for a little while, and then I got in too many fights there, so they, they had to send me to St. X. But I grew up in Shively. Okay, you're Shively? Yes, yep, right over. I'm not being nosy. How old are you? Oh, gee, 65. Okay. That's a really good baseball player in Butler. One boy was really good named Benny Harris. Mike Campbell played all the cover. Yeah, I remember Mike. And, uh, that was a good school. It still is a good athletic school. He went to UL on a football scholarship. Hell of a golf town. My my brother plays with him now and then. He used to he won Fall Cities there one year. So uh Yes, he did. And Jody Mudd and Eddie, they went to Butler. Yep. Yep. You know, Jody was a pro for years. I mean, they were you know, their dad. Same thing. They put a lot of time into golf and they end up being, you know, the best in town. Same thing we did with the softball game. Well, so I remember many, many times, Mark, in February and March, where I'd be, I have them out there practicing. We'd be outside. It'd be 30 degrees, 27 degrees. But we got ahead of everybody at the start. I mean, we were always in the best shape and clicking from the start after that. I mean, we were, we were really, really good on, like I told you, with the defense side of it. Well, let me ask you, when you look back at all that you achieved and your team achieved, and you're looking at a, at a young man or young lady today who's, you know, entering either softball or some other sport, what kind of advice you give them as they're just coming up? 
Well, you know how they do things nowadays, which I don't agree with. They want you to play one sport in high school. You know this. Yes. And just concentrate on either football or basketball or, you know, baseball. Back when I grew up, when I was a male, I played all three. <laughs> Very seldom do you see that now where a guy does it. The one thing I would tell everybody now, don't get locked down on just burying yourself in one sport. If you're an athlete, and an athlete to me is somebody that can play basketball, football, baseball, softball, whatever, anything with a ball, that's an athlete. Now, there's a lot of guys who are great basketball, great football, but they can't play the other, other sports. I tell all these young boys that I give information to them around here. I said, have a good attitude, play for your team, but always play as hard as you can play. When you leave there, you can't feel bad if you gave it all, even if you lose. But if you don't give it all, you're letting your teammates down. And that's one thing I try to tell these young guys nowadays, you know. I mean, the equipment softball now is so good. Oh, God, I give anything to be able to play now. These bats, I mean, everybody gets home runs. <laughs> I mean, and what they pay for these bats is incredible, $400 for Softball bat. That's insane, Coach Cobb. I got to tell you, and and I, I look at sometimes what happens with with the travel teams too, and I was like, guys, I remember like you were saying in high school, and I looked when I went to uh, Butler in the junior high, and I looked up and I saw Mike Campbell. There he is doing basketball. There he is doing football. There he is, you know, at, at baseball. And he was like you're saying, athlete. Yeah, you athlete first. You know, he wasn't tied down to to one sport. He was an athlete first. Exactly. And that's what I tried to get when I recruited, even in the amateur ball. I never went for, well, this guy's a great home run hitter. Can't play nowhere in my mind. So I wouldn't take him. Well, give me the guy in center field that's hitting almost 700, catches everything down and runs like a gazelle. That's the guy I want. <laughs> Got to find the pieces. You can't overpower nowadays or any days. Just on par. You can't send 11 guys up there to just try to hit it out. If they can't catch it, you can't knock in seven and give up eight. You're not going to win. you got to find a position for all them players. You know how it was in the early days in softball. Everybody tried to hide the worst players in second base for right field. <laughs> because they could hit, they try to hide them. Hope they didn't hit it there. Well, I got where I would move them. So I knew guys would hit second. I had somebody out there wouldn't swift in the field. I would swap it. Right before he bat, I moved the third baseman over there. I put him at third, and they looked at me, and I said, you can't hit it at third. You're going to hit the ball towards the right side. And that's something I prided myself in doing that. Well, Coach Cobb, you know, having a strategy, I mean, is is a key part of the game. Knowing the, the pieces or the players that you have out there, you when to play them, where to put them. I think a lot of folks think of each as a player as a fixed piece. You know, they can only do one thing. And exactly. that's where they're at. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, he's a great hitter. I said, well, he can be a great hitter. He can't catch it. That's <laughs> like I was saying. You've got to be able to play both sides of the ball. And I tell all these young boys, I said, if you think you're just going to walk up here and knock the heck out of it each time, either hit a home run or nothing, that ain't going to help. You've got to be able to use the field. It's ball left, center, right, center, down the right field line. They throw you outside. You, to be a great player, you can go out here and just you know, fool around. Anybody can hit a softball, but nobody, everybody can't hit it good. you got to learn what you can handle the bat with. And I preach that all the time, these guys. I said, hell, you can walk up there. I can get anybody out of the stands can hit it if you just throw it in there. But can you hit it good? 
And they said, well, that makes sense. And I try to tell them the right thing and the wrong thing. And I said, I was hard to play with. I refused to lose when I played. And uh, I was a problem sometimes. I, I was overbearing. And I learned a lot from that. And I tell these young coaches nowadays, I said, you've got to take things in stride. But you got to work at it. Just don't come out of your right lineup down. I think that's going to get it done. <laughs> You've got to help your team. Well, I get that, Coach Cobb. I, th- I think, yeah, I hope a lot of other folks out there listen to this too, as far as you know, developing a team, being being a good coach and manager. You know, as far as not just coming down and working up a lineup and then see what happens. It's it's something yeah, where you got to be flexible. Go. That's what most of them, seventy percent of them, just turn a lineup in. Let's see who scores the most runs. Well, that ain't how it goes. Not in my mind. Yeah. And I'm not bragging or nothing, but I've had a lot of success in coaching. A lot. I've coached the best players in softball in the world. Brett Helmer and Wakeman and all them guys. I've been around them all. They all say one thing. Boy, when you play his team, you better bring it. <laughs> it ain't going to be easy. I love it. Well, I didn't want it easy. I, I, you know, I didn't want nothing easy for you to come out here. Well, let me ask you something, Coach. Um, looking at the day, since this is baseball biz, I have to ask you a base, baseball question. Are you looking at what's happening right now, getting closer and closer to postseason? Do you see any yes, teams? Yes, I that- am. I keep up with it because of the show me and Jerry do. And like I told you the other night, I'm good buddies with Adam Duval. He went to Buffer. He plays left field now for the Braves, or right field for wherever they're playing. He's in 36 home runs. He's leading the league right now in RBIs. He's been traded from Atlanta to, to Miami. Now he's back in Atlanta about a month and a half ago. Great kid. One of the best boys I've ever been around. And I'm a big fan of Mike Trout because he plays the game right way, gives it all, runs into the walls. That's why he's hurt. Hit first slides. I mean, he just gets after it. Doesn't have to hit a home run, but he hits 35 or 40 every year he plays. Right. I'm a big fan of them guys that just give it all. That's all you can ask out of it. You can't make somebody be something or not. Just give me all you got. Well, it's exciting times. Baseball, yeah, and you keep up, I'm sure. You're big on baseball. I think with this old Honey thing, what he's doing this year is incredible. To be able to throw the ball over 100 miles an hour and then hit him almost close to 50 now out of the ball. He didn't know when last, last night, I think, out of the ballpark. And he's a, from Japan, but, I mean, he's just a great kid, man. He's six foot four, got a field like a greyhound dog, and can fly, steals bases, and throws the ball over 100 miles an hour when he pitches. That's something you just don't see nowadays, a guy that hit like that and pitch that way. It's incredible. Well, well, absolutely. Otani is a, is a miracle in his own way. And, you know, another thing I really like about him is his attitude. Yeah, you couldn't ask for a better teammate. I watch every time he plays. I, I watch the games. I've never seen him. No trouble. Here's another thing guys don't know most people. There ain't nobody going to charge him out again. He makes somebody going to, you know, I'm coming after you. I don't think so. He's six foot four, 240 pounds. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. No, he, he has fun. Have you noticed that when he plays? Oh, yeah. He's smiling, smiling on his face. His teammates love him. They're rubbing his head and this and that. Well, I mean, I like that. Well, even, I think it was last night, there was a couple of balls thrown right by him and one hit him. Now, whether it was intentional or not, I have no idea. But, you know, when you see him down there first base, you know, he's not going crazy or mean or angry. He just goes down and he smiles and having a, looks like a fun little conversation with the first baseman. And I thought, yeah. that's that's it, man. 
if you can do that. That's, that's, yeah, you got to respect and appreciate when a guy like get the way he plays. I mean, you got to love that. And then there's some guy in this league that you know that's, I don't know, that guy from the Dodgers, that fire. He's been in trouble. He's in trouble with Briz. And he's yeah. in trouble with the Dodgers. I mean, these guys, they make so much money, they think they're bigger than whatever they're doing. And it's not that way. <laughs> no, no. And- you know, I have a room with Rod Carew one year. He's one of the best hitters that's ever been in baseball in the minor leagues. I have a room with him. The same year I got drafted, Reggie Jackson and Sal Bando and Rick Mundy, they all got drafted. I was so damn messed up. I mean, I was wild when I pissed, but I run around every night. I screwed everything up myself. Instead of concentrating on baseball, and I've tried to teach that to these younger guys. I could go 95 miles an hour when I was a senior on flat ground. Wow. But that ain't everything, because you can throw hard. you got to be able to put it where you need to put it. <laughs> you got to be able to control it, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly, you're right. And I know you follow baseball, and in your mind, don't you think that, and this me and you talking, I think Mike Trout's best Baseball player in the game when he's healthy. When he's healthy. When, when, he, when he's healthy. And, you know, for years I've, I've thought, and I thought, oh, my gosh, angels, angel as angels. You surround this one man. you got to surround him with a lot of more talent to see something happen. Otani's there. There you go. Otani's there, okay? Yeah. And there's others as well. I don't want to take it away from everybody else. But the thing of it is you can't have expectations for one great player to to move forward. You Carry know? the load. You can't know? have you know, and they got a new uh, manager out there, and that might make some difference. And we'll see. It's it may take some time, like it took you know took him with Chicago. But to any, I, I digress. Right. But and my go-to yeah is Mike Trout. But you know, Otani showed me a lot. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Lagerell Jr. over the years. So there's there's some really great players out there. So we'll see. Oh, there's there's tremendous players out there, and like you just said, Junior just I mean he's hit the heck out of it. It's going to go down to the last. Two or three games on them wins the home run thing. It's a hell of a feat what O'Connor's done. That's that's something you'll never see again. No, no. Pitch him win ten or twelve games, going over hundred miles an hour, get the ball. And he don't hit him out of the ballpark. He hits him up there at the concession stand and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's he's something to watch. I call him home runs, Mark. I always call them when you hit them, they just flop over the fence. I call them dead fish. <laughs> well, when I called his shark. I was looking at that damn ball. Ain't nobody in it there. No. He's he's something. Beautiful swing though. Even when he strikes that it swings beautiful. I'm happy to be watching the games at these times. I think there's a lot of great players, a lot of great teams. There sure is. That Acuna with the Braves, he's tremendous. Tremendous baseball player. No doubt. No. Gotta get his attitude, you know, and get healthy again. He's a tremendous there's a lot of great, great players now. They athletes nowadays, Parker. They work out year-round and concentrate on just baseball. They don't do nothing else. And I think it's, you know, they're all in shape. I mean, everybody's got big arms and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's different. <laughs> well, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Adam Duvall earlier, too. Some people who have a, I don't want to say, a bare acquaintance with baseball. You know, they see Freddie Freeman, and sometimes that's where it all stops for them. And, and to see somebody like Adam doing what he's doing after Coach Cobb, I think, is, is great. Uh, uh, oh, I just tickles me to death. I told him about a month and a half ago, 
we had him on the show one day. I said, I'm so proud of you. I mean, he walked on. He come, you know, went to Western, got hurt, set out a year, and then he walked on to Louisville playing second base. Then he gets drafted by the Giants. They won the World Series. He's on the team the year they won it five or six years ago. And then he started all that back in AAA. And no matter where he went, he hit 30 home runs or more every year. Wow. I think he's got 36 right now for Atlanta. That's by far the nurturing. Well, folks, if you're not paying attention, there's where you need to go. <laughs> Definitely watch Adam <laughs> Duvall. And Coach Cobb, like, again, if folks want to hear more about what you have to say, you're, see, you're a radio personality on a sports show. Where is that and where can they listen to, to you? It's on channel 1080 AM. It's on every day, five days a week, and we have some great people on there. I mean, we've had some of the best fans, Magic Johnson, Rick Perry. I mean, we've interviewed everybody. Lamar Jackson, uh, Adele, the boy from Ballard, is playing in the pros now with the Angels. I mean, we've had everybody on that show. And to be honest with you, we're the second best sports show in town after our ratings are good. But you know what reason I think everybody listens? We're honest. I'm a Louisville fan, but I don't get on there. If Kentucky deserves credit like right now they're doing great, I give them their credit. And if Louisville's playing bad like they are, they stink right now in sports. And I'll tell on the radio, they stink. And they're in trouble all the time. I mean, they got to get everything straightened out. But, you know, everybody's got a team, Mark. Who's your team in college? Oh, you, Vail. But, uh, you know, I've... I got a mixed marriage. My wife's UK, so. <laughs> but oh, okay. Uh, you, you respect both is, is the smart thing to do. Exactly. <laughs> and That's what I've learned to live, you know, with the, the players that Kentucky's put out in basketball. And they're doing, having a hell of a season right now in football. I'm curious <laughs> to see what they do starting next week. They play nobody tomorrow, but, I mean, they'll be Chattanooga. But, I mean, you know, their schedule's been weak so far, but they got a really good quarterback this year. And Louisville doesn't have, they don't have no skilled players this year in football. No running backs. They're all, they look like kids back there. They're fast. I said, I don't care how fast you are. <laughs> you just, you just can't be fast. You've got to find ways. The line's got to get, get open. Sounds, they're struggling with their offense. Sounds like you got some recruiting to do here in the future, hey? Exactly. He come from Appalachian State. And he's probably a good coach and a good guy. I mean, I've talked to him two or three times, but he's getting the Appalachian State player. He doesn't get the studs in here. When we had Redman and Michael Bush and all them guys back then, when they had a good team, Lamar, I mean, we had good good players, pro players. They're in that, you know, that boy starts safety for the Packers. Zarrell Alexander. I mean, them guys are pro players. We don't have no pro players there now, Louisville. Well, folks, I want to remind you all again, Coach Cobb is on 1080 AM. That's in Louisville, Kentucky. And if you're there, you know, check it out. 12 to 1 every day. And we're Jerry talking about starting doing it for two hours every day. Tell you what, Mark, I got your number here. What I'm going to do, I'm going to call you this week. And I'm going to get you on the show for like a 15-minute segment, if that'd be okay with you. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll throw some questions at you. And we'll bounce them around on there and everybody, you know. Can follow what you're doing. You can give me the info on that. And I appreciate you calling, asking about my players and the team. And uh, I look forward to talking to you because I'd love to get you on the show. And I'll tell Jerry because he'll do, you know, basically whatever I want to do. So, yeah, I'd love to do that one day. 
Well, Coach Cobb, thank you again, man. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for sharing the, the history of the, the bourbons. Oh, and, yeah, I'm particularly glad to talk to you. And uh, like I said, it was all my teammates and stuff. But I'm just happy what you got to be around these boys. Well, it doesn't get any better than that. So I want to thank Coach Cobb again for joining us here on Baseball Biz. And remember, you can always find us Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Oh, we're everywhere. Anyway, look forward to talking with you all again real soon. Also, you can find us on Twitter at The Baseball Biz. Special thanks to X Take RUX for the music rocking forward.